All right, everybody, we are back for another episode of the Demand Excellence Podcast. And today I have Coach Vaughn Lassiter on the show. Uh, it's the second time I will have interviewed him, but just a great example he is of just being a Christian football coach, a guy that we all look up to. And he, you know, he was at Houston County. That's where everybody remembers you from, Coach. You had Jake from, and your offenses were prolific there. And then from there, he went back to his alma mater, I, I think, you know, Bleckley County. You've been there seven years. And then, of course, everybody knows him, Ameris Mims. I think I said that right. And, you know, he's probably going to be a first round draft pick this year. So just, just give a quick background, Coach, of who you are. Kind of real quick, go through. This is where I've been, Houston County to Bleckley County, and, and just kind of what's going on right now. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to work here at Blakely County four different times. I've coached here four times and I made some great friends over the, you know, the years of being in and out of here. It was really, you know, it's a place I've always cared a whole lot about, you know, but, uh, God had a plan for me that for me to leave and, and uh, to end up at Houston County. I was there for four years and that was just an extension of home with just great people. We had a tremendous coaching staff there and I met some really good people. And we had some really, really good players. You know, Jake is one, you know, went to Georgia that's now in the, in, in the NFL. Trey Hill is another kid that played for us there that, that went to Georgia as well. And now he's in the NFL. And we had a lot of other players too, you know, just guys that were just good high school players. And, and uh, a lot of them ended up playing in college. And, you know, I, I grew up in several different, several different programs. Working for, you know, guys like Steve Chafin, Sam Bars. And I think if, if I had to put the most, you know, impactful person in my life, it was Conrad Nix. I was fortunate enough to work for him for four years at Northside High School. A lot of us were, were, were so fortunate to work for him and see how he did things and how he ran a program and how he always put ministry first. The most important thing to him. At Northside, when he won all those games, was was for those guys to hear the gospel, and for those guys to be discipled, and for us to do the same. He he, you know he he shared the gospel with us. A lot of us got saved while we were working for him, and and then he discipled us and showed us how we could be phenomenal football coaches. But but first of all, be men of faith. And, and I think that was that that was the most impactful thing for me, and the most important thing that helped me become, you know, a, a a head coach that puts ministry first. And, you know, the great thing about that is, is, you know, the byproduct at Northside, the byproduct, the Houston County, the byproduct of, you know, here at Blakely, we've been, we've been fortunate that God's blessed us with the chance to minister to kids, to deliver the gospel to them, but then to also have success on the field and, and have some really good players cross our path that have impacted us. And hopefully we've impacted them for the kingdom as well. Yeah. I think it's cool. You mentioned Conrad Nick's, and then here you are, you and I were just talking about us starting to get gray hair. We're getting old, but here we are trying to build and create a legacy like Conrad Nix, like we would like for people when we get old to say, hey, they brought us to Christ. They they preach Jesus Christ to us every single day. And then, you know, for those, the listener who doesn't know Conrad Nix, he is the grandfather of Bo Nix, right, who just got done playing at Oregon and you know the dad his dad played at Auburn and he's a really really successful high school high school football coach in Auburn uh, I mean not Auburn Alabama 
So, Coach, you know, you went you went from Houston County to Bleckley County, and I, I think Bleck, at Bleckley you you bounced around from you know different classifications and all that kind of stuff. You know, as a football coach, being in a small town, talk about building a football program there. Obviously, you have the football program, a uh, winning football games right now. You guys have had great success. How did you build it? How did you get it started to get to get it where it is right now? Well, we we were we were fortunate because the the people that brought me in here were were serious about building a football program. You know, our our administration from top down did the things that that we know to to give us the chance to win. The things that we asked for, uh, we were we were given, and uh, we were we were able to build some facilities, do some upgrades to facilities. But most importantly, those men that brought us here and, and the board of education, the ladies on the board of education, the, the leadership here that brought us here, they gave us the opportunity to hire dynamic men, people that are just great human beings. And that, that there's a lot of coaches on our staff. They, they are outspoken Christians that love the Lord. And, and so we've been able to bring these guys in. We've been able to minister to these kids. We've been able to hold them accountable. We've been able to give them really, really good instruction. And, and I, I think all that's a culmination of, you know, what the leadership wanted and, and we've tried to give it to them. And, uh, we've been fortunate enough to, uh, to win, you know, two region championships here, the only two in school history. We're still trying to find ways to get better than the second and third round. You know, we, 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 we want to win a state championship here. And, and I, that, that's a process that that's been fun for me because I'm from here, you know, and it's been very rewarding for me because. This is my hometown. This is where my whole family's at. And, and, and it's been, it's been real rewarding. So the way that happened is from the administration bringing us in, giving us the tools, giving us the people we need, the men we need to lead these guys. And then you got to have a community that wants it, you know? And so that makes it a little bit easier when it's your hometown because <laughs> you don't have to really get to know people. You know, you kind of, you, you've known them your whole life. So you go into their businesses, you go into their homes, you take them out to lunch. And you ask them what you need and you show them what they need. And they, and a lot of them trust you, you know, and, and so our, our community's bought in to giving us the things we need to be successful. And, and now that comes with challenges too. As you know, you've been a head coach a long time. You're going to, you know, you're going to make two or three, four or five people a year mad at some, at some decision you made. And, and when you're the athletic director, like I am here, then you're going to, you know, it's going to be other sports and you're going to make this person mad. And you, if you stay somewhere seven or eight years and you, you know, I'm, I'm not real good at math, but you make about three or four people mad a year. Then, then in a small town like this, you got about 30 people upset with, you, you know, and, and so that's the grocery of, store anymore. Yeah. You don't want to go to the grocery store. You don't want to go to the, to the Mexican restaurant to eat, you know, and so that's a challenge that, you know, you kind of got to get used to, but, but for the most part, being able to build a program here that we're all proud of has just been the the most rewarding thing that I've ever watched happen before my eyes. I'm so thankful God brought us here to do it. Yeah. You said two things right there. So, you know, coach is going into a new program, uh, got to build the program. You know, number one, you said administration and number two, you said community that wants it. So what, what are things that you do? You talked a little bit about it, but I think this is something an aspiring head coach needs to understand or a head coach who's trying to win Building relationships with people in the community, you know, like you say, you can go to lunch strategically. So you're strategic of building those relationships. Talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, you got to be you got to be willing to do that, you know. And, and if you're a head coach that you know, if you're looking to be a head coach or you just got a job or whatever, you got to be involved in that community. You know, I would, I would, I would encourage anybody that's in this profession, if at all possible, head coach, assistant, or whatever, live in the town that you coach in. You know, be involved with the with the local things going on. Go to a local church. Go to the Rotary Club. Do the things that you've got to do to promote your program from within that community. You know, we spend so much time putting stuff on Twitter and Facebook and, and reaching out to, to all these people that, that aren't in our community. And, and, and we neglect the ones that live right under our noses so much. And you got to make yourself available. You know, when, when, whenever you, you, you start your calendar for the week, you know, on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, set time aside to go invest in someone and, and and when you make that relationship and you build that relationship and you you step into their business or step into a restaurant with them that that shows them that you're invested and and, and another thing too that that we do a pretty good job here i wish i did it more is is we take the kids to do that you know our mm-hmm. businesses here in this town they love to see when you walk in with a player that 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 they can now see when he takes the helmet off and I recognize him because he was in my business and he came to see me. And, and the final thing I would say about that coach is that, is that do that without asking for something all the time, you know, like go in and say hello and just check in on them and ask them how they're doing. And you can't, you can't buy something every time you go in there and you can't ask for something every time you go in there. It needs to go in there where it's not a transaction where you just go in to ask how that person's doing. And when you build those relationships, most people are going to bend over backwards to help you. And that's what I've seen in, in both towns that I've been fortunate enough to be the head coach in. But, but here in my hometown, that's really, really important, especially when there's just one school in that town. Absolutely. So I just gathered from that, build genuine and authentic relationships. Like, yeah, if you're just asking something for all the time, it's like, oh, there, there's, that's a bad relationship. So. All right, Coach, so, so talk a little bit. I mean, you had Jake Fromm at Houston County. I know you're, I mean, an air raid guy or passing philosophy-minded guy, Coach. How have you evolved over the years at Bleckley County as an offensive-minded coach? Yeah, you know, the, the first thing I would say about that is is to put – Defense first <laughs> uh-huh. yep. and to hire really good people on defense that know what they're doing and that you can trust and to make defense a priority in the off season and at practice. And, uh, I could, I could talk about that for hours, but you know, we've been very good at defense the last few years here at Blackley and that has helped us be really good offensively. So yeah, when we were, when we were at Hoco, you know, was fortunate enough to have Mike Chastain on staff and. And we'd put together an offense based off mostly Tony Franklin, some stuff Mike had seen, some stuff that we had done in the past. We kind of brought that together and we were air rate. You know, we wanted to be 50 50 pass to run and we wanted to, you know, have quick game, RPOs, drop back passing, sprint out, all those things that we wanted. And we had a multitude of things that, that we did and it was complicated and it was fun as a coach, as a guy that loves quarterback play. And loves, you know, installs and out of season, you know, board training with the players. When we were at Houston, that was so much fun because we had, we didn't have players that played both ways. We just had our offensive guys and that's what we did all year. 
when we got to got to Blakely, we did the same thing. But then you realize that you got to split that time with those guys yeah. got to go play defense, and so it got really really tough. And and I was searching, you know, searching for how we can make this better, how we can get better offensively. We had good players, and and we but but we didn't have the you know we we weren't producing like we like we could. And then I met Jeremy Edwards, and I, I had uh, I had looked into the fast and wide stuff during COVID. You know, we were all at home trying to find clinics to do, and Randy Jackson's clinic. I, I bought into that, and I I studied it, and I liked it, and I'm like, this is good stuff, but I don't really know what I'm doing with this, and and so <laughs> when Jeremy got the Hoco job. I went by to talk to him and, and we, we sparked a friendship and he was, he, you know, he's from the, from the school of, you know, you don't tell people a whole lot about what you do. And he was kind of not as eager to share in the beginning. And as our relationship grew, he helped me. And then I hired uh, Philip Manning, who is a kid that played for me. And now he's, he's my offense coordinator here. And us three have kind of got, gotten with Jeremy and Jeremy's helped us. And so we've gone from a thousand different things we do to, I mean, if I showed you our call sheet, coach, it is, it is real, real simple. And yeah, now it's a lot easier to teach our kids, a lot of teach, a lot easier to install. It's a lot easier to practice. And, and, and it's an offense that now we've, we've cut in probably more than half. I mean, we're probably down to a third of what we used to do. And, and our production is better than it ever has been. And so, you know, through that, we've learned simple's better, faster is better, and and just more reps is better. And I'm thankful to Jeremy for that because he didn't have to open that up to me, and and he did. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Philip willing to learn it. And you know, and it's one of those things. We start out on Sunday with our installs, and we have them. And then we'll, you know, somebody will want to add something, and then we go back. Nope, we're not adding that. We're we're, we're trying to stay as simple and as fast and get as many reps we possibly can. And that has changed my life offensively. So speaking into that, like what what is your run game look like? And then after you talk about that, because obviously it's going to be simple. What does your pass game look like? Yep. So we're inside zone. And, you know, we play 11 personnel, so we'll have the sniffer that I add. So we're zone ISO, whatever, you know, people have different terms for it. We're split zone, but basically we, we base everything off of, you know, we, we have a zone day, then we have a gap day. And so everything's based off inside zone. You know, a couple of years ago, we ran a little bit of outside zone. We're pretty good at it this past year. We, we weren't not as good at it. So we will go between buck which I know is not zone, but we'll go between buck and then outside zone, whatever we, our linemen are best at. Right. Two years ago, we're better at buck. Three years ago, we're better at zone, at uh, outside zone. So, but we're inside zone ba- based. Then we're going to run power and counter. And, and then we're going to run a little bit of GT with the quarterback read, what we call bash. But that's it. I mean, we're not. We don't, we don't vary from that. I know that sounds like a lot, but when, if I sat on the board and showed you, it's not, it's, it's real yep. simple. And our coaches do a phenomenal job of teaching it. So that's our run game. Then in our passing game, we're, we're 100% drop back choice routes. And, you know, I know Jeremy spoke a little bit about that on your podcast with him. We, we learned that from him. I saw what everybody else did. We saw what Tennessee did. We saw. 
you know what Central Florida had done in the past, and, and, and a lot of people now have gone to running some type of choice route. But I wanted a high school version. I wanted who's doing it the very best in high school, and it was Jeremy when it was at Warner Robins and now at Hoco, and I I was fortunate enough to get him to, to teach that to me. So we we we're one hundred percent drop back choice routes and several different variations, but it's all the same and all easy to teach. Then we're going to run our we don't we don't call any quick game. Every run, every one of our zone runs or our gap runs is tagged with some type of RPO. So, you know, we love slants behind it. We love hitches outside of it. I mean, we we do a lot of those things with some variations with stack receivers. You know, we just run. We'll tag one and two, three screens to it. So we don't have any quick game now. We do have a little bit of intermediate. We run spacing. We, we run a little bit of short choice game and we're going to run, you know, man beater meshes, what we call rail. And then we're going to run cross and, you know, we don't do it very many different ways, but when you, you take that and you narrow it down to exactly what we do on our call sheet, then it is, like I said, a third of what we used to do when we were air raid and uh, right. it's made it a lot better. So let's talk about defense. I mean, you're the head coach, you're an offensive guy, but hey, I said, I said, talk about offense. And the first thing you said was put defense first. So obviously you have spent a lot of time thinking about it, processing it. So give us a little bit of wisdom of what you have learned about defense and how you should prioritize it. Well, I think it was 2013. I was looking for a job and I'd, I'd never coached defense in my life. And one of my best friends, brother in Christ, was the head coach at West Lawrence High School, and he's now on staff with me now, Stacy Nobles. He was the head coach at West Lawrence, and he he had a defensive coordinator opening, and it was the only job I, you know, where I could wouldn't have to move and right, you know. So I I went over there and and he called me on the interview for the job, and he offered me the job, and he called me on the way home. He said, "Now look, you know, you, you never coached defense, are you good?" I was like, "I hope so." And so I spent six months with him being the defensive coordinator. And it was probably the most, I guess that it was probably the, the most eye opening six months of my life. Cause I'd always been coaching on offense where I could go down and spend hours with quarterbacks or hours with offensive linemen. I mean, we offensive line coaches, they, they, they never have enough indie time. I mean, right. You know, they'll, they'll go down there and stay for days and you won't see them. And that's the way I was, you know. But then when you get put over there with four linebackers in your group and you, you're looking at 30 minute anytime and you're like, what in the world am I going to do? We're going to, I mean, we're going to kill these kids, you know. So I learned that as a six months later, I was the head coach at Houston County and I learned that you better schedule around what your defense needs and you better meet with them and ask them what it is they need. And especially in a program like ours where you, you you share kids, you can't just put them down there for an hour and expect them just to be able to you, you gotta schedule that out. You gotta have a defensive coordinator that will give you input of what they need and what the needs are every day. And you gotta schedule that out. And you gotta have every second of that scheduled for them. And that was that was most important to me. And and so whenever I build a schedule for practice, it always starts with defense. And what they need, how they need it, and where we want to go from. And we want to give defense the benefit of the doubt. Personnel-wise, we pick the quarterback and we pick the running back. And we try not to play those guys both ways. But 
but we pick those two on offense and then defense gets everybody else, you know, and, and they get first choice of everybody and where they want them to go. And then we work off based off their personnel. And then I, where we're going with this too, coach, is that I, I just want to give you the names of our defensive staff because I want to tell you how important the staff is. You know, Derek yeah. Ferris, our defense coordinator, played, played here, played at Kennesaw State, has been with me for years, left for a year, came back. Phenomenal motivator, phenomenal football coach. Then we have Kevin Kinsler, who was the head coach at Northside High School. He worked there his whole life until he retired. He's our D-line coach. Then we have Kagan McLean, who is the head coach at West Lawrence and, you know, has been a defensive coordinator his whole life. And then he coaches our, our outside linebackers. And then Brad Davis is our inside linebackers coach who's been coaching defense since he was, you know, 22 years old here. And, and so I say all that to say that we have a phenomenal football staff for a single A school, you know, guys that have won state championships, one been head coaches. And guys that have been doing it for a long time. So if you're an offensive coach like I am, you better hire somebody that knows what they're doing over there. When you're spending, I spend most of my time with quarterbacks. Then, then those guys better know what they're doing, and they better have a clue about scheduling and about motivating and about putting people in the right spot. Because if they don't, then you're going to be splitting your time trying to go over there and fix that, and then now the quarterbacks are going to suffer. And so that's my advice: is that if you know, if you're an offensive guy like I am, and I don't make any bones about it, then I got to have people that know what they're doing, and I and I hold them accountable to to be good at what they do. And, and thankfully, I've always had that. So, coach, it's it's February. I think it's what February seventh. And yep. Um, yep. So, what are you guys doing right now? What is your philosophy mindset? February seventh, two thousand twenty-four. What are you guys doing right now to prepare? for football season in 2024? Yeah, so in, in a short, I guess uh, the, the long answer for that is in COVID, you know, when we started getting everybody, we had to break everybody up in groups, and that was the only way we could meet with them. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people remember that. We we let some things slide after that. We, we you know, we, we let some of the discipline edge of the program that we, we let some of that stuff slide. And, and we're, we got to get back to that. You know, I, I think our coaches and our team, they're, they're tired of second, third rounds. You know, I think we want to, you know, we've been able to win champion, there's some region championships here. Now we want to go to the next level. So we're going back to that. That was one thing on our exit interviews with our players. The one exit things with our coaches was that we've got to instill, we got to be a little bit more disciplined than we have been. So we kicked them out of the locker room. We, uh, we took the numbers from them and we are, building and instilling discipline in every little thing we do going back to that. So that goes from the weight room, which is the, the, you know, that's the pulse of our program. We live five days a week. And then once a week, which was this morning, Wednesday mornings, we come in for team competitions at 645. And I have one statement that I, that I wrote down after we evaluated last year's deal. I got it written on my board. It says, how do we continue to perform? and play as we have been coached when success does not appear to be obtainable. And so every day when we when we go into those competitions on Wednesday mornings and every day in the weight room, we're going to put our kids in situations where they cannot appear that they can succeed. You know, like 
we did some relays last week. We did arm wrestling last week. And we did what we call leg wrestling this morning. And we put guys up strategic, strategically where they, it's like they really can't succeed. And we want them to compete in those situations like they would if they were going with someone that they knew they could beat. And we kind of, we're using those team settings. We're using that accountability and we're using those things to try to get our guys more disciplined and, and to be able to compete no matter what the scoreboard says, no matter what the coach says, no matter what the person in front of me says, but how can we compete no matter what the circumstances are? We've lost that since COVID. We have, and, and, and our, we've had really good teams the last few years, but that's something we got to get back. And, and we got to do it as coaches. We got to do that for, for our society. It's not just for our football program, but that's what we're doing. You know, we're, we're instilling that right now that we started. We've started quarterback school. Coach Manny started that Tuesday. Quarterbacks come in two times a week. Go through our, our, we go through the same program Jake Fromm went through. Something we started years ago with quarterbacks. We meet for a month with them. Then we'll, we'll come in and go four on ones and throw. And, and then we will have install meetings with the entire offense and defense over starting in three weeks. We'll, we'll start install meetings with everybody. So this is tracking towards spring practice. That's always a good thing to ask. You know, you're, you're at a smaller school. Some people do spring, some people don't. So if you do or don't, why? Yeah, we, we used to do it. I, I told myself I would never not do spring. And then when you, when you start with in a program like this where, you know, all of our sports are successful, you know, I mean, I think every spring sport in the last two years has won the region, if I'm not mistaken. So we've got kids that, I mean, like my son, who, who was a started for us at tight end, he plays tennis, you know, and they, they get the chance to, to compete in state championship. We've got kids that play baseball, run track. We, we've got kids everywhere. So when you, you want to be hard headed and you go out there and you, you spring practice and you look around and you got no players there. And then what we were doing too was we were, we were, we were scheduling a game, you know, we're playing other teams and, and then you look up and you got, you, you know, you two of your starting old linemen and your tight ends not there because they're in the tennis state championships. And so I, I really, as bad as I hated it and bad as I really hate to admit it, we don't do spring. Last, last year was our first year not doing it. We do a lot of in class. We have all of our players in class and we do a lot of things in class that kind of makes up for it. But we, we, we spent a lot of time with our, with our upcoming nines during that spring practice time and, and then do our, our installs and then our, our quickness work and our conditioning. We do that in our football class. And, uh, and it's really good because it, it was a lot more beneficial for us. And then, and then the last thing about that coach too, and I'm sure you, you know, those paddy camps in the summer are so beneficial to us because we get those four days. And that kind of that's our kind of our spring practice because we get yeah. to go work with really good teams and, and do it in pads. So, coach, you've had recruiting's always a hot topic around right now. You know, obviously you've had I know two very elite. Now you mentioned a third one in Hill, but you had Jake Fromm, you went to Georgia, you had Marius Mims, everybody in the world, nation probably was recruiting him. And so you're going through these recruiting things and it's such a big deal. Like your parents want your kids to get recruited. 
just talk about recruiting as a high school football coach. What's what's important for parents to know? And maybe how has it changed in the past 10 years? Yeah, I think right now what I tell my parents in the parent meetings are that, you know, the transfer portal is not your friend. You know, I mean, it's not. Everybody loves to watch the news and see who transferred where and who transferred there. But it bleeds down to us where I've got two players right now I can think of just off the top of my head that in a normal year before the transfer portal, uh, those kids would be going to Kennesaw State, Georgia Southern, West Georgia. And, and now that they're going to, you know, they're going to D3 schools. And, and that's not bad. You know, I mean, they're, they're, that's not, that's not a bad thing. I'm glad they get to play and, and do those things. But, but you, that's the reality of it is that because that portal pushes everything down, I've got some really good high school football players that normally would have a chance to go D3 that now will not play. You know, they, yeah, that they, they will not play football another snap in their life. And that, that's unfortunate, you know, and if you're not Amarius Mims, then, you know, it's tough to go to, to, to the, to the big schools. And that's what I tell, I tell my parents that. And I'm, I'm upfront with them about that. And I, I'm transparent about what we do and how we help them. But, but that's just the reality of it. You know, it's, it's unfortunate and it's, it's sad, but that's where we are. So I tell them, you know, that's, you know, that, that's, that's kind of where we are recruiting. We're going to do the things we've always done to help your kids, but, we, we know the reality of the way things are now. And so, you know, 10 years ago, well, like that, you know, guys come in, they come visit your school, you show them the video, you show them their grades, what other sports they play. They either like them or they don't. And a lot of times you had seven or eight signing scholarships to go play football. We've won more games in the last two years than in school history. Now this, this, and let's back up over four years in, this senior class is the most successful class to come through here as far as wins and losses go. We have not signed a kid the last two years with the, with the most successful class. We have not signed a, a kid above Division Two. And so last year we had three kids that went on to play. And this year we don't have a single kid signing today. Now we'll have two that we'll sign later, but – with the most successful teams we've ever had, you know, and, and that's just unfortunate. It is, but you know, 10 years ago, I'd have probably four or five signs a day. And then last year I would have had eight or 10, you know, but then the second part of that, that's really, really, really unfortunate. This, I hate even saying this is now you got to tell those kids, hey, go to that school, go to the division three school, go to the division two school, whatever the case may be. Play as much as you can, get as much video as you can, and then you can go on the portal after next year, and you can see where you can end up. And what we're teaching these kids is it's okay to quit. It's okay to go somewhere and not fulfill your commitment. And that is totally opposite of anything that we've ever taught them in high school football. You know, I don't have to deal a whole lot with my kids leaving and transferring and all that kind of stuff. We don't get many, and we don't lose many. But everything we teach them in high school is about fulfill your commitment, be committed to your teammates, put them above you, be in leadership roles. And, and, and coach, that's not, <laughs> that's not the world of college football anymore. It's not. And, and that, that's unfortunate. And to be honest with you, if it keeps going down that path, I'm thankful that 
hopefully the good Lord will either call me home or I can retire in a few years. But the kids haven't changed. The system has. And that's that's what's bad. Yeah. So that's kind of a good segue. You know, as we end the conversation, you know, definitely want to talk about, you know, being Christian and how that plays into our coaching and our philosophy on life and just coaching. But so when you're talking about that, like we're teaching our kids, basically, when you were talking, I was sitting there thinking like, man, we're called to be men of duty. We're called to be men of honor. We're called to be men of loyalty, commitment, all these type of things. But then the system is is such that those things really aren't honored. Do what's best for you. Get yours. Make as much money as possible. However, I still believe there's value in telling kids to have to to be dutiful, to to have honor, to be loyal to those who have been loyal to you, to be be committed, and don't chase. Don't chase what the world tells you the best. Chase what maybe God is giving you. I mean, sometimes God doesn't give you something because he doesn't want you to have it because it's not good for you. So, you know, I'm just kind of laying that foundation for you to take it from there. I know I know you're a very Christ-centered man. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as a follower of Christ, I mean, that's 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 your compass. That's your that's your GPS. That's what leads you and you know, a lot of times we say that and then we do the opposite of that. And and even as coaches, we do that. I mean, I think about in my past, even as a Christian, jobs I took or decisions I made that was that I didn't pray about, I didn't think about, I didn't spend time. I mean, you know, I heard about a coach the other day that's contemplating a new job. Coach, he fasted for three days, you know, and and he got yeah. before the Lord and he and he asked him, Where would you want me to go? And 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 God revealed that to him and and in today's world, that's you know, you're weird if you do that. You know, you're you're out there if you do those things. But but if if we're truly Christ centered coaches, then you know, and Christ centered players that we hopefully we're we're developing and we're you know pouring into, then then how much time do we spend praying about you know what college to go to and 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 what we should do with our lives and and I think that so often we. Even as as a Christian coach, I've sat right across from my players and said, you know, what what's best for this? You know, what, where can you get the most scholarship? Or where can you get the most NIL? Or where can you get the most this or that? And 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 so often I fall short by asking them, well, let's pray about where God would have you to be, that He would reveal that to you and take the world out of it. You know, and I think we've got to get back to that. We've got to we've got to teach our players that and and. And sometimes God doesn't tell you to go to your number one school you wanted to go to. Or as a coach, sometimes God will say, look, you know, that's a very good opportunity, but you need to stay right where you are. And, and I hope that we're men of, of Christ that will, will teach kids to, to seek him first and that understand that he's going to take care of all the other things. So as you were talking, you can speak to this. I was sitting there thinking, this is what I'm guilty of as a Christian coach, right? We're we're constantly striving to be better Christian coaches. We're constantly trying to grow in Christ. You know, I constantly do stupid things as well. We're battling the flesh. We're battling sin. But as you were talking, like, I'm guilty of speaking the, the language of whatever group. Like, so if I'm talking to parents and they're not Christians, well, we would naturally go into, yeah, 
find the biggest, find the best NIL deal. Like we would start speaking a worldly language or, you know, we go to this, this clinic and we talk to this coach, we would start, not we, sorry, I'm not accusing you. I (laughs) would instantly morph into what I needed to be to make the best impression or to give the parents what they wanted. Now, now what I'm trying to grow into is to be able to speak boldly and unashamedly for the gospel. If they receive it, they receive it. If they don't, they don't. But it's such a fine balance. Talk about that a little bit. That's that's tough, man. It's it's you know we all get <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, you know, when we're in, in our profession, there's more there, there's more not trying to deliver to advance the gospel than there is doing that and doing it consistently and doing that in, you know, like you talked about that, doing that at the coaches clinic, doing that at the region championship dinner, doing that in, in all aspects of your life and, and, and not caring what the outcome is. You know, I think we're all, we all fall short in that. I know I do, you know, and I pray that, that, you know, God gives us the opportunities to, to be able to deliver the messages that he would have us to deliver and that the Holy Spirit would, you know, that we would feel that and we would submit to that and we will carry that out whenever that is. And I pray that whenever we fall short in that, that somebody watches us and understands that, you know, he might not, you know, he, he, he might not be carrying his Bible right now. He may not be preaching to us right now, but there's something different about him. You know, there's something different about this guy, whether it be, you know, he doesn't use profanity, you know, or he's not, you know, doing these types of things that a lot of other people do. And there's something different about him. And, and I want to know more about that. You know, I, I look at, I, I know you're, you know, you're a coach that loves the Lord and, and has been really successful. And I want to, I want to know more about you. You know, I, I watch you on social media. I've listened to your podcast. I want to know more about how you do those things because you, you first of all love the Lord and second of all you've been highly successful. So do, do we do we do we want to be that type of person, you know? And do we want people to to follow us and want to be know more about us because of our wins and losses, or do we want people to know more about us because of how we conduct our lives and how we live our lives? Not perfect. I mean, you ask my guys around here, and I have a a, a, a staff full of people to love the Lord, but they hold my feet to the fire every day about something, you know, we hold each other accountable and, and that's a good positive situation to be in. But are we living that life outside of, you know, church? Are we living that life outside of our devotions? Are we the same person that preaches to the kids and gives them the gospel when we go home to our wives, you know, and, and, and that's, I think that's the battle we all fight coach. And I know that I fight it as well. Yeah. Well, coach, Hey, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome to fight the good fight of faith alongside somebody else out there doing it at another high school. And I think that's the key, right? Timothy in first Timothy or second Timothy says, fight the good fight of faith. It's not going to be easy. You're you're when you're fighting, guess what happens when you fight and compete, you're going to get beat. You got to get back up and you just keep growing. So coach, really appreciate it. Really appreciate you and just learning from you as we head out. I'd love to pray for you if you don't mind. I'd love that. Lord, we're coming for you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Just praise and thank you for Vaughn and 
Lord, just just his desire to do things for the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we all fall short. We all mess up, Lord, but it's our hearts. It's our hearts, intent and desire that you look at. And we just pray, Lord, that you would bless our efforts, bless his efforts there at Blackley County. Bless, bless my efforts here. Protect us, Lord, from ourselves, from, from what else is out there. And we just pray for all our brothers out there who are fighting the same fight. We just pray for encouragement and hope. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, man. Thanks for talking with us. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you. Yes, sir.